You're listening to Rock Shop Live, brought to you by Stuart Travel Guitars. See the incredible stowaway travel guitar at stewartguitars.com. Microphones for Rock Shop Live are provided by Rode Microphones. Now for Music Gear Network, here's your host, guitarist Eric Broadbent. Hey everyone, it is the weekend. Happy Friday to you all. Welcome to Rock Shop Live. I uh, hope everyone's having a fantastic weekend. We've got a great guest here to kick off that weekend with you. Somebody we've been working on for a better part of a year. Or, you know, with patience, good things uh, come, as they say, from KISS, from Grand Funk Railroad, from Union, from so many other acts that we'll be talking about throughout the evening, Mr. Bruce Kulik and Guitar Hack. How you doing, gentlemen? We are good. Uh, thank good. you so much. I didn't know it took a year to get me on here, but that's exciting. It makes it more more uh, urgent, I guess. Well, we've been working on it for a bit. <laughs> it's been a while. That's but, good. But we want to thank you. I mean, you took some time off tonight. For, uh, you're rehearsing literally tonight for Kiss Cruise, which we'll be talking about in a little bit. But I mean, yeah. uh, we do appreciate that immensely. So it's good to have you here. We have a bunch of your fans here tonight. And the reason why I brought my buddy Guitar Hack on the show, I mean, I, I'm a major Kiss fan, but I, I have to pass over the torch to, I would have to say, the world's biggest Kiss fan. And, oh, okay. and a big fan of your era as well, too, Guitar That's Hack. It. And it's, yeah. it's, it's funny because one of the things we'll talk about as a common thread tonight, you've got a nice Les Paul in your hand or you had it a moment ago. Oh, I'm leaning on it. Actually. Yeah. It's here. it's here. This was the one I just featured on Facebook recently. Yes. And Instagram, yeah. We'll talk about that in, in great detail yep. tonight. Well, he pushed me into Les Pauls. I mean, I've always said a guitar player needs to have at least one Les Paul in their yes. arsenal over the years. I'm turning 51 this year, and I got my first Les Paul, real deal yes. Les Paul, and I love it. I've never been happy. Did that cherry, cherry sunburst behind you? Yes, yes. Okay. It's pretty. It's yeah. a lot to do with him, so I have to thank him and, <laughs> and our buddy Brian Cote as well, too. So, so listen, I want to welcome a bunch of people to the show here. If you're new to the channel, please subscribe right now. We promise to work very hard to keep you as a subscriber. And that's what I want to talk about. The other day, you shared a really, really cool video on Facebook. You know, you're talking about the 53 Les Paul, which you have in your hands. It was converted. Tell us the story about that. And uh, we're going to go through some more Les Paul discussion in a moment as well, too. Well, everyone knows uh, if you're really, you know, knowledgeable about the history of Gibson guitars and especially of the Les Paul, even though Gibson was around in the late 1800s, even, um, you know, certainly... Uh, the very, very first model that Les Paul lent his name on that they introduced was actually a gold top. And, and in some ways, pretty primitive, uh, which means the whole you know finish was gold. The pickups were very different, came with a very weird, long, they call a trapeze type trapeze. bridge. They were very awkward. There was no fine tuning on it. Um, uh, the neck angle was slightly different as well, okay? So, uh, but the woods and the concept of a mahogany body with a maple top, and a rosewood fingerboard, and this kind of, you know, the, the headstock was basically like this, which you notice this one has a logo a little low. You know, Gibson moved those around during during their entire history, probably. But, um, you know, the particular uh, introduction of that guitar, it, it had its imperfections, but the most magical part of it, I feel, was the woods they were using absolutely... Um, were of the same, I would, I'm not positive to say the same batch as when they were making 58s and 59s and 60s and all, but, but similar, okay, to the point where um, the flame tops sometimes were revealed when people would do these conversions, taking a early gold top. Now, you don't want to do that to, like, say, a 57 gold top, because by then they did the humbuckers, it was a tunematic and a stop bridge, you know, so they already evolved, the neck angle was right. And I, I'm not, believe me, I know a lot, but uh, I know there's so many guys out there that are unbelievable, um, you know, gearhead uh, about a Les Paul that they know every spec and every year and every change. 
But the important thing is the general concepts of um, this guitar was converted. Actually, um, when it was first gotten, uh, my brother got it down on 48th Street, uh, kind of in the, about the late 70s, I would say, or, you know, 77-ish, something like that. And then uh, it already was converted, and it had that double PAF, which is very nice, the white-looking white one. And those are actually very sought after, you know. Um, the other pickup actually wasn't a PAF. It was possibly a patent number or a T-top. The finish on it was not gorgeous like this, okay? It was a very um, kind of like, uh, it just didn't really look like, there's a picture on Facebook when I posted, because I remember having photos of it once I owned it, uh, and it, and and I didn't know really what to do with it. Otherwise, when my brother wanted to sell it, I, I realized, no, I'll, you know, whatever it's, they're going for, I'm giving it to you, you know, I want it, you know. And then in time, it evolved, meaning, first of all, I had it refretted because it needed that. Uh, so the median jumbo frets, which made it really playable. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I did find another PAF for it, which was, this is before the prices went insane on that, okay? <laughs> and I think maybe one of the, bridge parts were nickel and, and period correct, but I, I, and one wasn't, but I found one, you know, again, I'm looking in the, I probably would have gotten the guitar somewhere in the, uh, the mid, middle eighties, maybe around the crazy nights period. And, um, uh, I'm sure the parts weren't as expensive as they got later on, of course. So anyway, um, the conversion already happened, but this gorgeous paint job only happened uh, thanks to Paul. Uh, now, we got a little bit involved with Gibson and Paul was working and playing with Les Pauls and Hot in the Shade, if you remember. Right. Mm -hmm. It's funny mm -hmm. how both of us as guitarists, at least in my era and throughout their careers, you know, they they go through all those, you know, guitar years where they work with this company, that company changed. Mm -hmm. And unlike a guy like Slash, which is pretty well known as a player for, you know, just playing a Les Paul, you know, and, and the rare picture of him with something different. Um, I had a lot of fun with a lot of different guitars. My early Charvels, then it went to ESPs and then a, a BC Rich. Paul big on the BC riches and but there was a period where Paul was like yeah I want to play a Les Paul you know and all of a sudden we're we're visiting the custom shop in Nashville and we even did a, a gig uh, for them uh, at one of the NAMM shows that happened in Nashville during the summer uh, I shared that not long ago on my Facebook too it's pretty cool because I specifically brought out not this one but I brought out a few other Gibsons that I wouldn't usually tour with you know? right but um Tom Murphy is one of those very famous. I'm sure um, your your gearhead friend has heard of him. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, he 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 can be hired to do. Uh, more currently, he does this kind of like uh, t uh, he's independent now, and I don't think he's like only working for Gibson. But back then, he was the guy that was helping Gibson really establish this fantastic, uh, you, you know, way of uh, doing finishes. Some of them aged because you know relicy things have been very popular for a very long time. But name. honestly. Uh, when Paul said, get it to Gibson, I know who you should have painted or whatever. So he got a hold of it. And I remember maybe three months later, it came back um, and the finish was just gorgeous. First of all, all that flame came out. Like uh, everyone should know that's watching. If you don't know already, the gold tops, well, it wasn't going to be a see-through finish like a sunburst would be. Mm -hmm. So it didn't matter if it didn't book match. Okay. And everybody knows that a less, a proper Les Paul top, uh, obviously, it's not so so critical when it's not a grainy finish, but the the really like ooh, you know, uh, three hundred thousand uh, dollar fifty nine Les Pauls that everybody drools over, you know, it's going to have a very defined probably chevron type top or right. you know, it's always bookmarked matched in the center 
uh, you know, the way great violins were done and everything. Mm -hmm. And that was the beauty of the 59s and the 60s and all. Um, but this is off center. Everybody can probably see that. How it's up this way is where the change is. But mm -hmm. what's amazing about it is look at the um, Michigan maple, you know what I mean, which is this flamey wide. Wow. You know, right. kind of thing. And especially the grain around the, um, you know, tuning pegs are incredible. I'm mean, trying to get the, you know, so you, you know what I mean? That kind oh, of thing yeah. is really nice. But again, they didn't pick the wood for that. So here's some makeable. Here you go. Now we're painting the gold. And and sadly, you know what's happened to a lot of the gold ones. They've turned green and uh, they change and they, they get really scary looking. Mm -hmm. So um, the beauty of Tom uh, doing this obviously made it a real ooh guitar. Uh, this is like kind of one of my famous, a favorite rather, uh, uh, like Cherry Sunburst kind of, you know. And of course, you know, the rest was painted properly and uh, he gave me a cool serial number, you know, and <laughs> we, we uh, I think we got a little better tuners on it. They're not the original ones, but that's okay. The, the thing's not all original, but but the wood and the, the tone of this guitar is is always been there, you know, and uh, and and that's part of the mojo of uh, the wood from those, those years, you know. Uh, but the one last thing before we move on with it, um, it's kind of ironic that I was invited to do this really cool vintage guitar show in Atlanta called the Atlanta Guitar Show from these guys called Grinning Elk. They're a very good uh, online store that I've known the guys there, you know, uh, Lee and Ray for many years. So anyway, I, I did there. I did some, you know, clinic performances for them. Uh, but uh, it, he was there. He was a guest, Tom Murphy. Okay, because he'll show up at shows like that. People all know. He, He's just like the guy, right? Mm -hmm. So he has his own booth. He has all this history with Gibson, but he does a lot of the restoration. Not so much the restoration, the refinish, the aging process. He's still involved with Gibson from what I understand. But, uh, of course, we started to chat, and actually I, I ran into him after he was having dinner, and I and I just, you know, Lisa was like my wife. You, know, you got to ask him because all these years I always regretted that I never got a COA from him. I, you yeah. know, and even though I don't want to ever let go of the guitar or anything, and I know what happened, and, but there's just something about when you have it on the guy's letterhead that, you know, I did, I painted this guitar, you know, mm -hmm. here you go. And, and he was so kind, of course, he provided it for me. And I, I, I showed a copy of that on Facebook. on Facebook. Yeah. It was real cool. And we took a, you know, I took a picture with him and he remembers the guitar really well. And that's crazy because wow. it was, it had been like 92 or something like that. Wow. that we're talking about this stuff or 91, you know, and, and that's, that's really remarkable, you know, so that was really great. And, um, yeah, recently I shared it because I've been doing this monthly, uh, a guitar related to my Kiss years from recording, touring, or photographed or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and I don't have all of them. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I went through so many of those guitars, so many tours I wanted new this and that. Some of them, you know, just didn't uh, behave. And back then I wouldn't have thought, it doesn't matter if the neck is not right. I got to keep it because in 20 years, 30 years, people are going to want to see it again or what you know and and so i'd let go of them you know for mm -hmm. various reasons some got stolen you know some went to hard rocks and things like that which even though yeah i don't own it anymore but i do appreciate it it's on a wall to be shared you know the public can enjoy and go like oh wow look at that i remember that guitar you know that kind of thing so um i i wish i had them all but i have enough that i can stay busy for for a while uh, monthly for quite a while yet and share a guitar maybe talk about the connection with what I did in Kiss with it and uh, maybe play a little bit with it, you know, and something maybe uh, connected to 
the guitar and what it, what I did it for. So so I know I was playing Car Jam on the uh, on the Facebook post because yeah. I know I used this guitar and it appeared on on a few things from probably from uh, Crazy Nights possibly, but definitely Hot in the Shade Forever. Uh, it was rhythm guitars on that one and probably other parts. Uh, uh, Revenge used in various spots, but I don't have production notes for that. Okay. Carnival Souls, I actually have the production notes, which mm-hmm. I did share recently when I was talking about my 56 Les Paul custom that also was part of my history. And I, I noticed there'll be rhythm guitar for I Walk Alone was on this. And um, uh, I know there was a solo and I confess on this. I didn't get into all those details on Facebook. So you're getting some exclusive info here. But uh, I've been archiving as much as I can to really uh, relive the, everything I did because it is fascinating to me. I, I guess I'm, I've grown very warm to all of it. And I know how much it means to the fans. And I think they like that I care so much about it. You know, exactly. Was passion. I was not so sure I want to listen to that album or this thing or watch that video. And now I'm like, bring it on. I want to see it. You know. Yeah, I think it's a great, a great series. I was looking at probably about five or six of the uh, vi- uh, yes. guitars of the month. Really, really awesome. And I mean, fans that you know, they and I can imagine what you're saying too. Without production notes, sometimes it might be hard to remember. I mean, for you with amplifiers, it's always a combination of a JCM 800 or 900 or something. Right. But I mean, guitars, right. it could have been anything. You know, so very hard to remember all those details. So the more you it's kind of neat. You're sharing it with the fans, but at the same time, you're almost preserving it for yourself too by doing these videos. Of course. Yeah. And that's part of, like, if I move forward with a book, which I've talked about and the fans have asked for, I want to base more on, there was a while on the website when websites meant more mm-hmm. to everybody. Understand. Right now, social media kind of eclipse website, but you'll go to the website to see where someone's playing or buy a, a merch item or, or whatever. But, but honestly, uh, I was doing like, kind of like a, a review story, a recap of, of various albums and then the subsequent uh, videos, tours, and, and I, would, I would find my stuff that's related to it and share some of the best parts of that. And I remember a lot of those blogs, there were almost more blogs than, than a website thing, but a lot of that was like, I remember the reaction was great. I thought like, wait a minute, I, I need to, that's like, that would be like the meat and potatoes of a book. Yeah, of course, there's, there's other things I'd love to share about my career. Uh, uh, but, you know, to be able to rec- you know, remember how I felt at the rise to a video when all of a sudden, why is Gene and Paul, what are they doing? Why are they doing makeup? What's going on here? <laughs> you know what I mean? And me and Eric looking at each other and going like, uh, how do you feel about it, Eric? And Eric going like, wait a minute, I was in makeup. I should be there too in makeup maybe. You know, you know what I mean? And the controversial of like, well... But then again, they're trying to make believe it's 1976 or seven or something, not you know necessarily 1980, which was yeah. makeup time. So uh, yeah, you know, I mean, there's all that, you know, and and uh, there's so many amazing uh, you know things I do remember, and I love when the fans share what they know or where they saw me or a photo, and that kind of clicks something in my brain. Or I have a lot of the clippings, and I've saved so much stuff and scanned so much. And I've archived it to the point, and I've shared it with a few trusted um, friends of mine who are actually, of course, uber fans. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean? Because I, I want it protected. I want I want like 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 you know it's it's rare stuff. So I feel I also can totally trust them uh, having it. You know, certainly. But I, I gotta admit that every time I look at that Metal Edge magazine, I go, oh yeah, oh right. I, I took that picture with Bon Jovi at that party. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember this with Fred Corey. This is so cool. Oh, look at Eric there. We went to the premiere of uh, Bill and Ted or whatever. Oh, I think uh, I, I think he got really sick after that. Whatever it is, even a, even if it's a memory that that has some uh, you know a sadness to it, even 
uh, it's still, you know, it's something to make me have a better overview of that magical 12 years of work, even though all I was doing was the best I could. Mm -hmm. I, I really had no idea that um, all these years on, it would mean so much to the fans and they just, they just uh, really respond fabulously. And that, that just validates it more that I want to, uh, I want to dig into it more and I want to relive it more like you, you were saying, Eric. You know, yeah, exactly. So. Well, I, I don't want to, I don't want to put kiss and star Wars in the same sentence per se, but we, we could, we could, we could for a second because star Wars is timeless, you know, and the kiss is timeless as well too. I mean, you know, obviously with the makeup thing, that was a great idea to preserve, yep. you know, the youth. I mean, they're kind of an uh, anonymous behind the mask kind of thing. But Star Wars will live through us forever. And as you knew uh, during your time with Kiss and you're watching Kiss now and, and before your time, it'd be, you know, moms and dads and their kids. Now it's their grandkids showing up. It's like three generations right. coming to a show. All so it, yeah, it never ends. Well, let me tell you my connection that I've used as an analogy with Star Trek. Uh, I mean, Star Wars. Yeah, right? no problem. Um, so we all know, you know, the Star Wars, you know, certain movies that came out and it was just like it was unbelievably successful. Right. But then there was all that the, the huge lull, and I can't I can't remember how many years it was, but it was certainly long enough that when it came back, it was huge again, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of had this theory, roughly like that, almost twenty year pop culture cycle thing, right? So the reunion tour, which I always believe me, every year I was in the band, I was like, well, this thing could end in a year now, you know. They That's right. Makeup back on and. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm out of the gig and I said that probably in 86 87 88 89 90 you know on and on and then there'd be little rumors you know uh, oh you know Ace just spoke to you know Gene or whatever whatever <laughs> and and I never knew really uh what would happen but uh, th but then there it goes father time clock goes by another year I'm in the band another album another tour another whatever but then when the inevitable happened with MTV Unplugged which was that catalyst where they wanted a reunion of Ace and Peter to make it like a big event. Mm -hmm. They're looking for ratings. They're looking for whatever. Uh, and it was a big score for for Kiss to be on MTV. MTV already was was morphing into grunge and other things and getting away from, uh, you know, whatever you want to call Kiss at the time, which is, you, you could fault it for being a hair metal band. So why would MTV want it? But yeah. the uh, the main guy behind it, Alex Coletti, who was uh, a fan of my era too, was very clear, like, no, we're going to get Ace and Peter, and this would be cool. Anyway, Peter jammed with us uh, at one of the conventions, you know, mm -hmm. which is how Bud uh, yeah. really was, was uh, the, 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 you know, that whole concept came from that anyway. But, of course, on a grander scale, scale laid out in this gorgeous studio, Sony Studios in New York, filmed so professionally. I am so proud of that performance, you know, and uh, Eric and myself know that that was, uh, you know, for that era, that was a great bookmark, you know, mm -hmm. of... of what 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 we were able to contribute to uh, Gene and Paul, and then we covered all the years, you know, too. But anyway, when it forced the reunion tour, you know what I mean, because then people got wind of it, and then they were getting offers, and they were like, "We ain't getting any younger." It's kind of funny how many years on, and they're, they're having the same argument. We're not getting any younger, so we got to stop soon, you know. But back then, it was like, "Well, let's give it a shot with Ace and Peter," and you know what happened when they, you know, put it on sale? It just was sold out, mm -hmm. and that was it. And and I. I kind of looked at that more uh, about that pop culture, the way things go in those cycles, you know, mm -hmm. and, and and look at how Star Wars has done it again. You know, they 
they got hot again and then they, they got quiet, you know what I mean? And then they came back and kind of rebranded it, redid it. And now you got new stars and great new stories. And even if, and no matter how much they want to link it to the past, it's still moving forward in, a, in an exciting way. And then, you know, if you're a Star Wars fan, you're going to bring your kid and they're going to be like, oh, you know, um, it, it's, it's really incredible. But Kiss, staying on point more with Kiss, uh, remarkable uh, band to be associated with for me because of the um, unique nature of it being uh, continued on with generations. You know what I mean? Agreed. I, I don't see it. Of course you see it with, with, with the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and the who and other major, you know, acts Hendrix will never be forgotten. Uh, but kiss has actually never stopped all those years, which just, True. you know, intensifies it so much. The stones, yeah. obviously, I, you know, it's not just, people in their 60s and 70s seeing them okay of course yeah. and uh but but again there's there's really not scores of those kinds of bands to be associated with especially from the rock genre um there's maybe just a handful like that that uh I, and let's face it even a band as iconic and huge and worshipped by many as led zeppelin i don't know if a led zeppelin expo you know convention right, right exactly yeah. Or Led yeah. Zeppelin Cruise, okay? Yeah, yeah. It's almost Here like a Comic Con. You know, creating the ninth one, and they'll probably could do a tenth, and who knows how many more. So it's it's really such an iconic, uh, unusual uh, phenomenon is the best word I could say. But when it comes to pop culture and things like that, you can never um, second guess it. You know what I mean? You just can't. You just have to accept it. It's there, and uh, I'm I'm so glad that uh, you know I had that that uh, footprint in that in that uh, band because uh, I see how much my years meant to many of these fans of the band and of course the ones that are just diehards for the makeup I get it mm -hmm. I had a lot of respect for that too and I loved it when we did cover some of those songs but I also know of how many fans just just really love you know um, the non-makeup years and it, and it means a lot to them you know it's funny a perfect uh, kind of marriage for Kiss and Star Wars I'm just curious I wonder why Gene Simmons hasn't bought Star Wars yet <laughs> I think that might be even out of his price range. It could I, think, be. I think a little company called Disney bought. Yeah, that's right, a little company. We we joke about that. We talk about Kiss all the time on the show, and it's and always in the best you know uh, light with Gene Simmons. But I mean, yep. we we love him to death. And there's actually a question on the itinerary later on about that as well too. But two things I want to do here quickly. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk to you about the next Les Paul again in a second. The fifty six Les Paul. Uh, and then Guitar Hack has a question for you here as well, too. Finally, but, let's hear from Guitar Hack. Yeah, so actually, why don't we do that question now, Guitar Hack? Okay, well... well actually, no, wait, 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 before you do that, I want I would right. love you to break the ice and tell him the story how you met Bruce a couple different times before, because that's a great story. Start well, with that first. Well, you met millions of people, so I don't expect you to remember me, Bruce, but I ran into, I don't know how many times in Toronto. I'm from Toronto. Okay, I love that city, by the way, so... Oh, Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, every time we, they had those, those conventions in the uh, early 90s, I met you there. I met you one time with uh, John Karabi when you were doing oh, the union thing. Right. Got photos with you. And then later on, about actually, I dug up the picture today. Six years ago, you were at uh, playing at the Casino Rama here in Aurelia right. with right. Grand Funk. Yep. And uh, I was with somebody who bought one of your guitars, and we went up to your room and checked it out and played around with it a bit. I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Is the tattoo guy? The guy who's got the tattoo thing, or is it a different guy? No, no, he's not a tattoo. I'm a tattoo guy, but he wasn't. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. But uh, yeah, so yeah. Um, but the question I had for you anyway was, um, and I was trying to think of a question that you haven't heard, so I don't know, maybe you've heard this one. But so in okay. your tenure with Kiss, since we're talking about Kiss, um, 
you know, obviously you started off with Eric Carr, God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. And then you went on to play with Eric Singer. Now, how did you find the, the difference in the band? Or what difference did you find in the band with the two different drummers? And, and how did you, if you had to make any kind of adjustments as a player, like playing with one as opposed to the other? You know, and, and it's a fair question. Um, honestly, I mean, I've worked with a lot of drummers throughout my career, a lot right. of great ones, too. But um, you got to remember that even though you would think like I would have to adjust or the band would have to adjust, but the band kept evolving. OK, by the time we asked Eric Singer to be involved uh, and, and we knew Ezrin agreed and Gina Paul, really, well, you know, he did Paul's solo tour. So that was going to be very helpful for him to walk in. Uh, but his playing was what revenge was going to require because at that point it wasn't about finding a drummer for Kiss It was about recording revenge and and making those songs uh, Sound amazing. That was the priority going on uh, So he actually got the studio gig first if you get what I mean mm-hmm. And then when we realized oh, this guy well, he's got blonde hair or whatever, you know And then I'd let Gene Paul <laughs> those decisions, but but they, they saw it as a little something fresh and different, and they didn't get too crazy about it. Obviously, when he became, you know, the cat, you know, it, 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 that changed. But right. it's a different thing. Now he's in, in, a, in a, you know, the makeup outfit and that character. So, uh, but for the, my era with Eric Singer, I didn't have to adjust anything. The material was, was challenging. We were working with Bob Ezrin. Mm-hmm. And if anything, though, Eric always did bring, you know, his take, but he never, like myself, I felt, that if I'm going to step in someone else's shoes, I'm going to be respectful of the important stuff that's there, but then kind of make it my own. And and mm-hmm. Eric Singer's totally a pro where he played with all these people from, you know, working with the Black Sabbath guitar player to to uh, Montrose to Alice Cooper. Gary Moore. Lee Ford. What was that? Gary Moore. Gary Moore. You know, Brian May. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, he could, He's just like, he's really a, a, such a versatile you know, and Paul uses them even with that Soul Station thing, which is yeah, like yeah. B music, you know. Mm-hmm. Eric's a tremendously versatile, talented drummer. So in a way, uh, he was still able to incorporate all of his ability into, let's say, watching you. But I, the one thing that I love about Alive 3, for example, which is, I, I'm not going to call it underrated. I know I know many fans love it. Um, and, and it's hard to... Uh, even compare when you had you know the power of alive and alive because you know how much they meant to the success of kiss and all the fans growing up with them but alive three i always call is well that's the supercharged um kind of version of a live kiss record because eric's doing the big double bass drums you know everything sounds you know really huge and uh, i like the way he would play the vintage stuff i did and Mm -hmm. his enthusiasm to the band was incredible but again, in the sense of, you know, Eric Carr, you know what a powerful, incredibly musical drummer he was. Oh, yeah. There was very little on my end or anyone else to adjust. Uh, I mean, one thing that, that no one should blame Eric Carr for was the tempos of like Animalized, okay? That tour and everything. That's that's the way the band wanted it. You know, Paul and Gene, everything, we were a lot younger and everything should be fast and exciting. And Well, that's interesting because... Yeah. A lot of people say, why is he playing so fast? Very That's fast. A, yeah, that was a huge criticism. Yeah, and and uh, it, it doesn't make sense, but it was them running around on stage and all that energy and excitement and this kinetic like wildness going on. We're also young enough to do it pretty well. But I'm listening to it now recently, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, this is like 10% too fast. Yeah. 
and, and we were in 440 too, which is crazy, you know what I mean? So everything was out of control. But think about how long that is, almost 35 years ago. Yeah. That's pretty awesome too. I mean, uh, you know, I don't have any children, but if I had a 35-year-old kid, you know, he's seen a lot already, right? You know what I mean? That's all the fun, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the regular tuning plus that tempo. I mean, it, it would really sound a big dynamic because slower and tuned down lower just has such a yeah. big kick, right? But that's cool. I get it. Wrong. I mean, the tempos on a live three are all very reasonable. There's nothing there that's that's ridiculous. But there was something about I remember when they gave me the tape to learn. I mean, this just didn't happen just from my animalized uh, tour. I think the Creatures one before or something when, when uh, you know, and that's when, of course, Vinny was on the live gigs. I thought also everything was just like way too fast. It was crazy. Anyway, hard to keep, hard to keep up sometimes. I can, yeah. I can imagine you look back at some of those too, you know, over time, like, how was I even playing that fast? I mean, because you just you like, foc- yeah. focused on it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I was like, oh my God, you know what I mean? So, and, right. I, and I run into that now. I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've revisited some songs from the first couple of records and, and going like, you know, like, what the hell was I doing? And then again, we were fooling around in the studio, you know, like, you know, you do four tracks and then you comp, and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the listeners that, uh, know how the studio works even in Pro Tools these days you do the same thing you can put together what you want and hopefully you make it believable but back then I, I almost wonder you know what I mean if we cared well that's yeah. exciting go you know what I mean I'm like I'm never going to be able to do that live you know forget 35 years later or 33 years later so exactly and, uh, you know it's still all stuff to be proud of but it, it, they head scratchers <laughs> you know true true yeah before Guitar Hack takes off here, I was telling him something off the air. This is something I don't know about you, and some of the diehard fans will know, but it's a real curious thing. Um, back in the day, I, I want to say the day, like the, the late, uh, early 80s, mid 80s, whatever, um, mm-hmm. George Lynch, he went over to Kramer Guitars and was talking to them about, you know, possibly, you know, working out some kind of a deal, whatever, and there's some, there's all kinds of folklore what happened there. It sounds like it was kind of a slept overnight in a limousine in Kramer parking lot or something of the sorts. <laughs> but anyways, you know, and you know fast forward not much longer a couple days weeks later he you know finds matt from esp and has a signature i think probably with the very first signature esp a guitar and i'm curious with you because in your era with especially kiss era kramer was like all over the place everybody wanted the kramer did you ever talk to those guys and if so or not did it have anything to do with you landing esp and being with them for uh for, for for until today well, uh, here's how it goes, and, and it's kind of a it's a really great question, Eric, because it's actually something I've, I'm only kind of like scratching the surface of and digging and learning and trying to remember, and I've been speaking to friends. What do they remember? You know, people that, that came with me to the to this early ESP shops, uh, people that work there that I'm still in touch with, mm-hmm. and there's a guy that I know in Phoenix who loves those guitars, the early M1s and the, and the early ESPs and Kramers and Charvels and things like that. And, and there's, there, there's stuff out there, and there's forums that, that, that know a little bit. But my experience, I think, was very unique, okay? So here's my take on it, uh, and without getting too long-winded about it, um, I was introduced, because I lived in New York, to some people that started to work for ESP. At the time, ESP was just a um, parts company, g- generally, from Japan, uh, just supplying parts. Because people like to, like, oh, my friend their neck, I don't know, uh, you know, give me a new one. Oh, I want to change the body, or I want to put this together, you know. And that was pretty radical. And I, I believe ESP started by Mr. Shibuya back there in Japan. Um, I think he was, he could have even been in the late 70s, and I forget exactly that that company started doing that, first in Japan, then maybe internationally. 
But my the reason why I'm I'm kind of getting into it is just that suddenly they have a presence in New York. Okay, so uh, I don't remember when they decided exactly. Well, why don't we offer models? If you get what I'm saying, mm-hmm. especially since this kind of Van Halen certainly showed the world that like, no, I put that together. I take that body, that neck. I put a Floyd Rose. I routed it out. I put a. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. We all know. And and when was the first Van Halen album? What year? 78 released. Yeah, yeah. So why not by 84, 85 ESP to, to realize, wait a minute, we got strap bodies, we got necks. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, when they started to offer guitars and they were brand new, again, going from a parts company to now offering models with potentially giving it names and everything, um, you have to realize that and I wonder if I have that thing still here. It's, yeah, I do. <laughs> see, I'll, I'll prove that I've been into it lately. Okay. <laughs> Here's one of the first price guys. Yes, I, I saw that on your interview. You did a two-part interview with the ESP. That's so, beautiful. So by the time, of course, um, and I probably had uh, a model or two with them slightly before that. But, you know, and there's, you know, the price list, the different models they were doing and everything. So, um Anyway, the, my friend is in New York, and I don't remember how I knew him. He could have worked for uh, a local, you know, store or something. And he just says, you know, hey, you should check out ESP because uh, I was already in Kiss. So obviously they're going to ask me, you know, to go talk to them. I bought a Blue Charvel in the window. I already played like a parts Floyd guitar, which got me the kind of the gig in the band. Mm-hmm. I helped out on Animalize, and Paul said, "Don't cut your hair." Next thing I know, Mark definitely needs time off to heal. And there I am going to Europe. Okay. Wow. And there I am starting the American tour. And then they try to work Mark in, and then they realize, uh, I think we got who we need. Okay. So they send Mark home. The gig is mine. Okay. So there I am with two Charvels. By the time the American tour happened, I had another one, uh, the gold one, or maybe I think the gold one and the blue one came to Europe and a black BC Rich. Okay. And that's all I really needed. And that was like golden era of BC Rich, you know, the early mm-hmm. years. I talk about BC Rich for three hours, but forget that for right now. We'll stick with ESP. Uh, anyway, the first guitar, probably for Asylum, all of a sudden I was able to, I was still working a little bit, talking to Grover Jackson, asking him to make me things. So there I still had Charvels uh, in the works. Um, and and I had designs, because they would do that. These Those guitars are really rare, you know, all those early Charvels, oh, yeah. early Jacksons. But I really did like the neck. Why did I like the neck on the ESP? Because they were kind of shaping it on early 60s. I felt they were shaping it on some of the best fenders that I like. Nice. So I was like, whoa, okay, this neck is nice. This is friendly. Oh, it's an M1. It's a you know regular strap body. You call it an M1, metal one, whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lloyd Rose. Yeah, yeah, one pickup. That's all I need. I'm a kiss. You know, you know, the texture, <laughs> turn it down. That's all you got to do. You know, you don't need the other pickup. So the next thing I know, I am, there I am um, with that flip-flop blue. You know, and then I, uh, I'm, they're making me a, uh, um, a multi swirl, you know, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, which kind of ironic. Uh, I think I, I can show you one of the replicas here. Come here, you. You know, this is like based on my, my, you know, multi swirl model. Right. Like actually, Paul contributed to saying, why don't they do this? Try this for a finish. You know what I mean? And they did, and they nailed it. So this is one of the uh, LTD models that I, I offered 24. They sold in a day, mm-hmm. which was a miracle. And uh, these came out great. I'm so glad. Look at even the back, right? And then you check out the parts are different because that's, that you know, yep. the theme of the different colors. We figured, well, let's mix up the parts. Yeah, Floyd Rose, you can have chrome. You can have 
black, you can have brass. Let's do that. You know, even the nut. The That's becoming a common thing like, today. They're doing that with black with chrome. And, and I would call this the very asylum-y oriented version of a M1. And the flip-flop blue, which is not an easy finish, by the way. I'm still freaking struggling with that. Uh, Japan is making me one just as a thank you, Bruce. And I'll have to cherish, cherish that one. But if I could offer that, I would. Nice. I don't know if I can because I don't know. You know, in other words, Matt, who you mentioned before, Matt Mascandaro, I, I got to give a big shout out for. He's been the president of ESP a very long time, but he was my roadie back in Michael Bolton days that long ago. Isn't that okay. absolutely crazy? He, um, he and I have been very close for many, many years, and um, he's done a great job for ESP through all those years. But um, he actually said to me, he said, the guy who painted your football blue, he, he's retired or he's dead. The, you know, we don't know who he is, you know. So let's tie it back into Kramer, though. Sure. Glad I brought blue. Kramer, occasionally you saw bodies that had that finish. Mm -hmm. That had a, uh, it's kind of like a silver. Uh, there'd be like a metal flake in it, but it would change colors slightly. You know, it's very odd. My knowledge of Kramer, which is why I never approached them, was they supplied many, many parts for them. Mm -hmm. So, in other words. It didn't matter that it said, and please somebody can correct me, but my knowledge is for certain years of the 80s that I think we're talking about, you would see a Kramer neck plate and it would say Neptune, New Jersey or something like that. Mm -hmm. That thing wasn't built there. Yeah, of course it not. It was maybe assembled there. Maybe, right? yeah, for some. Parts, I even heard there was some Canadian uh, uh, sources too. Yes, yep. Necks and like there that. was. Okay. But my favorite Kramers that I ever got my hand on and fooled around with, and I was aware of Richie Sambora getting involved with them, and then Lynch, I still always saw as the you know the poster uh, guy for for ESP, you mm -hmm. know, and he's done a fine job, and he still is, even though uh, you're telling a story of him, you know, winding up in the parking lot of uh, you know Kramer, right? you know, but um, we know that Eddie had parts from them and mm -hmm. did actually perform with uh, the, which is so similar to these ESPs with the big hockey hockey stick headstock and uh or banana headstock depending on how you call it sure uh i but but kramer it's kind of a weird for me it was always i went to esp i dealt with esp and and i if i ever owned a kramer it was more like oh that reminds me of that and i'd own one for a little while sure but i didn't have to use them i didn't have to go to them charbel and jackson kept changing to the neck getting flatter and flatter and and then and then he sold it and now all of a sudden japan they're being made in japan and they're called the Model Two, and yeah. Some of those are actually nice, but then he like doesn't make the Floyd Rose where it's supposed to go. And mm -hmm. He's putting the Jackson Bridge, which is like, sorry, yeah. you know, and 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 the, and the nuts past the you know the the locking nut is past the the actual nut and whatever. Uh, I don't know. Well, uh, I'm glad I asked it though because another I, thing I, I I need to learn more about. Okay. No problem. I dug under every rock. You know, I mean, I tried really hard to find that information out. So it's it's just a big passion, you know, to kind of discover that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And well, thank you for sharing. Sure. M1s and hockey stick headstocks. Here's the banana. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, There's yeah, yeah. banana because of the Chiquita thing. Even though it kind of like sometimes I refer to that headstock as like a banana. Oh, yeah. Notice real thin one. You see that, right? It is. Look, let me put the rare Les Paul down. Hold on a second. Although all these babies are really special to me. Yeah, before you that. drop it. But, yeah, and obviously, I'll be um, featuring because this is part of big part of history. I held it on Crazy Nights and all on the back cover. But uh, yes, on the back cover. But I definitely will feature this on uh, you, you know for for one of the guitars that uh, 
of the, of the Kiss Guitar of the Month. Mm-hmm. But, but um, yeah, now that was the early version of Headstock. Ignore the, the little uh, tuner thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just a strap body, one pickup. You know, I, years later, I put the drop uh, D-tuna. D-tuna thing on it, right? And uh, this one never, I, I did have in some of the earliest M1s, the EMGs, because the repair guy, Joe Pitcher in Long Island, who was very good at helping me, and I lived there, so that's why, he, you know, I, he was my go-to guy. He liked EMGs. And then later on, I realized, ah, I don't know, you know, maybe this sterile. I'd like to go back to, you know, um, like a Duncan who, who became very big too. Sure. So I was putting the uh, custom pickup in it, sometimes custom, custom. Mm-hmm. I love. I actually haven't haven't taken out that pickup. Though. I probably never did. You know, this one came that way. But uh, you know, let me just see if it's in tune. What's going on here? Just do a drop D. There you go. But you can tell it's a very uh, aggressive sounding guitar. You know, all that kind of pingy stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. You know? But I definitely would have done, uh, you know, Crazy Nice with this. You know, those kind of things on this guitar, you could hear it, you know. Uh, I'm in no shape to play this one today. <laughs> That's <laughs> okay. Up, you, know. but you can hear that tone. You know? Oh yeah. And these are these are just killer guitars, you know. I just love this kind of M1 shape, and that's why uh, I was so excited to. I did do a limited run of these first. Mm-hmm. I was kind of testing the waters, and then I wanted to evolve, and that's how the multi swirl happened. And we'll see what happens in the future with that. I'm not actually a store. Uh, but I am handling it all myself with some help. You know, it's complicated. You know what I mean? Taking orders and working oh, with is. the guitar company and, and providing, you know, it's very important if I offer something that it, that it's done right and, and to the best of uh, my ability, make a package. You know, I, I, I made many guitars of these things. You might be able to see that on my, you see the little yellow one up there? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, again, yeah, yeah, mini. And the multi swirls behind there, you know. So they're there, you know, the multis. So anyway, um, I, I do really enjoy these, but I'm still learning, and I'm talking to a lot of people. Um, this and and just one more point about it. In the same way that Kramer was putting together guitars from all the necks and bodies that they got from from ESP and other sources, potentially, not the neck through that they had a guy from the factory. Mm-hmm. You know, they a few models, I forget, American Standards or something like that. Yep. I'm even wondering if that's, that might even be ESP made. I'm not sure. But either way, um, this was just a body found that was on a rack or in a barrel and the neck's in a barrel. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, what about this? You know, oh, surplus, you know, surplus. I like this body, you know. So uh, to think that, you know, I was able to just pick out necks and bodies and have good luck with it, you know what I mean, is uh, pretty remarkable too. But uh, and nowadays, like there are companies that still provide things like that. But mm-hmm. uh, that was a real, real interesting um, concept that I just realized that and I have to thank Eddie Van Halen for that. If you think about it now, that guy, obviously, he started out with Explorers and Les Pauls originally. You mm-hmm. know, he didn't build a guitar as his first guitar. Nope. He plays a mean crossroads, too. You know. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> by my one of my heroes, Eric Clapton, of course. But the point is. Uh, uh, these st- super strat bodies, one, you know, one pickup or, you know, and just the neck with the Floyd Rose. I've, I've had 19 years with Grand Funk. I know you guys know that, mm-hmm. but that's not a band that I've ever played Floyd Rose with. Okay. You know, Certainly. it's just not really <laughs> going to work. 
So it's just ironic, though, that um, now I mean, some of that is part of the celebration of me playing Kiss stuff, you know, that I recognize, well, wait a minute. Oh, I got to use the, the whammy bar. Oh, let me pull out those guitars. Let me let me see what I can use. And through the years, there's various vintage pluses, which was the later kind of versions mm-hmm. of three pickups that ESP offered. And I have quite a few custom ones. I've been doing a lot of work on some of the old ones, getting them really tweaked well. There's a local guy here that's that's great for, for to help me with that stuff. But um, it's a challenge to find the, the right Floyd guitar. You know, it just becomes that. You know? Well, the thing is, with the, with the there's a resurgence right now, like massive, massive resurgence with the single pickup guitar. And speaking of little guitars, here's one you'll appreciate here as well too, if you can see it on the camera here. This guy look familiar? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, yeah. Speaking of the man. Um, but yeah, well, like I, well, I know that uh, Charvel does well with a lot of different models. I, I think there's a lot of Jacksons too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are, you know, I'm, I am seeing them, but I'm, 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 you know, because I'm old school in a way. Because of, like all of us, we want to, you know, we have a connection to something in the past that that uh, drives them, that that you know, just makes you feel good. Just like when you see the Hendrix Strat, you go like, ooh, yeah, white Strat. Oh, right. By the way, white M1 is also one pickup. Uh, and that was from uh, Hot in the Shade and Revenge. But then I threw a tortoise shell pickguard on it. Yeah. To, I did that because of Hendrix. He had a white one that had the tortoise shell on it, not the Hendrix, you know, Woodstock one, which was a maple neck and all. I actually do prefer Rosewood more. But uh, that that's another one that I'll be able to share. But it's incredible, my desire to discover more M1s. And just today, somebody sent me an email going, I have a pretty early ESP. It's pretty rare. You know, like, like, uh, what do you think of it? And he sent the picture. It happened to be a three-pickup one. It wasn't exactly this. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, wow, where did you buy that? You know, because I could tell it was, like, custom-ordered. And, and uh, I, I'm just fascinated with all of it. And I'm hoping this interview, I know you guys are a gear network. And I, I do I do belong to a few of the ones that, that talk about ESP guitars and everything. But to be honest, you know, ESP is not always, you know, they, they keep moving forward. And they're mm-hmm. offering new models every year. So it isn't always about... I don't know about them ever. They don't mind making me some guitars to offer, you know, my fans. But uh, you know, they're not gonna just kind of do a resurgence necessarily of M1s. I think they should, but yep. you know, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling them what to do as long as they can provide some cool things for me. That's and right. That's why I keep the relationship, and I'm very, very happy with it. It's been really good for both of you, for sure. And that shows a lot of loyalty as well, too. I mean, that's manufacturers like that when you're not just jumping from manufacturer to manufacturer. Sure. But when you talked about the, uh, when you showed a moment ago as well, too, and actually, before I say this, Guitar Hack, you are more than welcome. I hate to even, uh, I don't even want you to leave. I mean, you're you're one of the biggest <laughs> Kiss fans. If you want to stay for the evening, you have a full invitation to stay with us. So I'd love I to have you. I got dinner plans. It's no called, problem. Okay, so. It's <laughs> will run out. That's okay. right. On the um, the asylum the, the asylum guitar that you sold the twenty four I'm just trying to find this question again as well too this is from a buddy of mine the desk chicken that's what his uh, handle is online oh, wait a minute I, I I know that guy's email yes you know. there you go that's right he says uh, will the next Kulik exclusive ESP when will the next uh, Kulik exclusive ESP LTD be just picked up my swirl and it sounds amazing He's got and apparently swirl I remember that yeah and right. apparently you liked his video yep so do you have uh, you have more plans yeah or? I mean some of them actually play and I know all of them. Can you sign it here? And it goes on the wall next to the one that Gene signed or Paul signed or whatever. Tommy, it's so funny. And Ace, it's really wild. Some of the collectors that I've met in the Kiss world, you know, and uh, I get it. I mean, I collect things too, but uh, it's always an honor when you see that in the same way when they say, sign my arm. I'm like, oh, you know, what's going on um, It's so funny because I was just talking to Todd and Brent about it today because they were over here, you know, Todd Kearns and 
Brent Fitz, fellow Canadians. That's know, right, guys. my boys. Yeah, um, really terrific, talented guys. Um, and uh, I kind of, like, I think next week I'm going to ask ESP first about ordering more multi-swirls. I, ha- I already have a, a list yay long that I know I may not have to advertise too much, if you get what I mean. Oh, if I for could, sure. If I could provide them for who, uh, damn, I missed out. You know, I, oh, I just heard about it. What do you mean they're sold out? Uh, you know, all that, okay. So um, I'd like to do more of these because uh, I think they're really special and unique and the factory did such a great job. But it's a great question because, and, and it was, I, I don't remember if it was Todd or Brent that asked, but the other guitar that I pulled out for you guys since you prepped me, magically, remember we were psychic I mentioned? Oh yeah. Would be, would be, um, you know, they still offer a Horizon, okay, uh, ESP, but this one's really nice that it's a Cherry Sunburst, uh, I mean, this one, of course, is like a neck through because that's the way they, they made them in Japan. You can see that. Maybe yeah. So this center. is my original 87. Uh, that didn't say anything rude on it or anything. Sometimes my roadie would write crazy <laughs> things. <in the> back <laughs> Show me you know what. No idea if it's in tune. Let me just see what's going on. This guitar, I did I did play something on it. Did I feature this one uh, on my guitar of the month? I don't think so. No, but you did an ESP uh, two-part interview, though. Yes, it was in that for sure, yeah. It's the one with the volume knob for the treble pickups in the wrong place. Okay, I don't oh, know there why you go. It changes. It's over here. But <laughs> we kiss, we kiss everything would have been full up anyway. So this sure. is the bass pick over here. Turn this down. That's the bass pickup. So. I can't believe this one's in tune, it's great. Really cool, right? So there's a great video of me in, uh, um, wow, a lot of delay there. That's, that, everyone's asking about what amp I used. I fell in love with a Fender Superchamp XD when they offered it in like Blonde. Okay, I see the guitars and I'm like, ooh, that amp sounds good. How much is it? And it wasn't a lot of money. And it's got tubes in it, right? They changed the formula a little bit on some of the later models. I think it's still a current model, okay? Um, but they don't offer the Blonde tweet. I mean, the, the, the Tull X being Blonde. But I own three of them because, uh, you know, my, my home. Uh, instead of dragging one around every room, you know, I, I got one upstairs, one in, one in the front, one over here. Um, and that's what we rehearsed, you know, we've been jamming to. But these are great little amps, and they have um, uh, effects built in, which is nice, you know. But but that don't sound, doesn't sound very model modeling, you know. And mm-hmm. there's a nice clean setting on it, too. And it's funny, it's not like I'm a Fender endorser, but people sometimes ask, you know, what, what amp is that? <laughs> And then you can clean up the uh, the distortion on it. Here's like the distorted channel. Thank <laughs> you. 
They sound great. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Nice playing too, man. Oh, thank you. I, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> anyway, this, you know, some version like this, now it, it, it probably, you know, I have to discuss this role with Matt, and, and there's a terrific guy there named uh, Todd that works. He's the custom shop guy. Okay. okay. Uh, and Todd, he's the guy that specs and goes to the factories and discusses, no, you need it like this, you got to do this. And he knows how meticulous I am. And, uh, so he'll work with me and we'll figure it out, you know. So after I, maybe I get more multi-scrolls, I can move on to a version of uh, a Horizon model, which which made, um, I had a red one in KISS, had a black one that had radioactive symbols, which I, I still have, and uh, I have this one. I had a few others that I let go of many, many years ago, but these these are these are great workhorses and they're not very, uh, uh, they still offer the Horizon model, they did some changes mm -hmm. and everything. They do offer this, and there is an LT version of it. But I would then look at the way they're offering the LTD, and then uh, fine tune it and try to get it as close as um, what what mine looked like in eighty eighty seven in, in that era. Uh, and then the other uh, point of you know trying to tie it all in is yeah, I was very specific and fans of certain things like if they make it all recessed now. Mm -hmm. Well, no, put the Floyd on top. It doesn't have to be recessed. Right. Know? That's the way mine were. You know. So. Mm -hmm. I, I would see what I can do with them, uh, but it could take you know that takes time. You know, all these um, these two orders I made were were a uh, labor of love and a lot of time. But uh, again, a big shout out and thanks to uh, Todd and and Matt for helping me out. And uh, the success is great, and they're very happy with it. They do some runs for some of their artists too, like uh, Kirk Hammett. I heard did a, mm -hmm. a very limited something of some you know one of his models and. Uh, it wasn't offered in, in the stores. It was sold like very quickly, you know, that way. So I'm hoping uh, I'll continue. And it's funny you mentioned George earlier because he's still involved with them, you know, all these years. Big time. Yeah, exactly. Is, well, yep. In a second, we're going to jump over to the Les Paul question, but I got a few fan questions here as well, too. I want to take care of those. Yeah. And this is where I'm going to let Guitar Hack and you just kind of duke it out with some Les Paul questions because I know you both love, I mean, I love Les Paul, too, but he's <laughs> he's the all-knowing burrito when it comes I'm to Les Paul. I'm just a guitar geek, so I love them all. <laughs> That's right? good. So but, a couple, but, You know, now that people, I saw that 53, when they say, all right, um, you know, tell me your favorite instruments, you know, uh, in, in the sense of a Les Paul or a stop bridge, mm -hmm. There's there's no guitar that I've owned that has more kind of like vibe and tone than that. Now I have other I got I, I got killer, uh, lots of things. You know other Les Pauls that sound amazing. That '56 custom is a, a monster too. That's one of Eric Singer's. That's what we're gonna talk about Les next. Junior Frankenstein, and he loves that one too. Uh, the Kiss rented it when they did Car you know, not uh, a Psycho Circus because wow. I did some demos with. Gene using that guitar, and we're like, we need that sound, you know, Bruce. You know what I mean? The next thing you know, well, yeah, I'm not going to charge you a lot, but like, you mind, you know? And yeah. They, and they got some gear from me, you know? And I guess by then, I don't know, sure if it was Paul or Tommy that played it, but they used it and they got the sound, you know, because there is something about a guitar, even though depending on who plays it, it's going to sound different. Mm -hmm. But no doubt that uh, uh, a certain guitar's uh, sonic, uh, you know, uh, tone. The wood, a lot of it is in the body, but still your hands are going to bring it out. Oh, for sure. Got, 
Yeah. But, uh, and then the other guitar that I like to mention, if I said like, oh, you can only have two. Mm-hmm. Well, then if I want something on the other side of the spectrum, it would probably be like that banana, you know, M1. Yeah. Even though it's probably the same strings from 19, you know, like 92 or something on there. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I've changed them in ages. But um, that guitar I just know is killer. And I've used it for some sessions yeah. uh, in the past, you know, probably not five years, maybe 10 years. But it's a great guitar. Good character all the way through, right? Oh, yeah. No, it just has that tone and it behaves. And, you know, look, when you work with a lot of different people in the studio and different producers through the years, from a Nevison to to Ezrin uh, and the engineers, we always had, you know, very, very talented people. You know, they all go like, uh, yeah, that's it. You know what I mean? Like I have notes for the yellow ESP uh, all over the Carnival Solace production notes. I wish I had it for all the albums. I don't. But I do remember it as a picture of me and gene in the studio for hot in the shade and the two guitars that you see in it it's kind of funny he's like doing this kind of biting the guitar it's the banana yeah you know so the yellow guitar and then the multi-swirl those and i didn't even realize it until i always knew the yellow guitar was there but because i held uh the multi-swirl was being held like that you couldn't really see it well and then i looked a little closer i said oh my god those two guitars are in that picture it's pretty funny that's so funny too how we were talking about this earlier today. Like we were both saying, okay, you said I could bring some more iconic guitars. I'm like, yeah, bring the bring the uh, uh, bring this and bring the banana. And you're like, I was right, thinking, right. you were talking the same thing. That's awesome. Yeah, but, and but, then the Horizon. I thought because I, I I I still love these models, and I'd like to introduce more of them. Even with Grand Funk, I do play one of the uh, Korean H101001s. That, right. That's a great guitar. A little different headstock on it, but it's the same guitar. Not a Floyd though. It would be the you know, strings through the body, which gives a great tone. Exactly. But they, they, I like the, I like the feel. I mean, to me, these Horizons are, are kind of a version of a Super Strat. You know what I mean? Agreed. Uh, and, and it isn't a ripoff or uh, really modeled after a Jackson or anything like that. It's it's kind of unique to to ESP. So I'm always going to be like, a, yeah, Horizon. Let's get some more Horizons out there. But uh, and then I, I'm a huge fan. I have three Vipers sitting over there because I love the Vipers. Okay, which is the offset SG look. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I have. Out of the three rigs with ESP, with uh, rather Grand Funk, I have I have uh, two of the rigs have that on there, maybe three now. Actually, three. Yeah. Todd was Crazy. playing one of your nice cream ones just yesterday or whatever. He was sharing a picture of playing one of your the cream uh, vipers. Yes, yes, that he was playing one of the ones in the house. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Very so, cool. Those are great guitars. They're thicker than an SG. Did a thick. Yeah. I know Matt helped design this for them, and I thought it was brilliant. They're more like a strap thickness. Offset body, so there's no issues about it's an original shape, mm-hmm. but double cutaways friendly. Okay, and the run that they did that was white with the uh, gold hardware, I just go crazy over it. To me, that's like a homage to uh, the, the you know Les Paul SG customs, right? sure. Les Paul SG custom with the three pickups and gold hardware. And they didn't do that well for them, or you know, people. I think they only made them for about three years. I love those guitars; they're great. Guitar hack. Do you have anything to say about the gold hardware? Uh, it tarnishes cool, don't don't you agree? Well, I I'm not a fan of the gold, but after a while it doesn't look goldy anymore, so it's all right. right. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> beauty of it. But don't you agree? Oh, well, look. All right, so I I'll ask you a question. Can I be interviewed? Yeah, yeah go sure. ahead. No, go ahead. Now we all know a Les Paul custom, and and it, most of the Gibson line that is custom right. will have gold hardware because it's the top of the top. Right, right. right. So do you not own a a black Les Paul custom? No, I do not. <laughs> if, you, if you were going to buy one, you felt like actually that. they do make some with chrome parts. Or somebody just sent me one with chrome today to look at. I'm like, oh, yeah, this yeah. is perfect. <laughs> I have a friend too. He's just a guitar nut. He's not a big player, but he he only wanted a, a Gibson Les Paul custom 
with 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 you know the chrome not the chrome yeah but i have like a gorgeous uh 355 you know i shared that one 1960 it's gold you know so but i understand that but i do i do think the gold's best on uh, probably black and white guitars and then of course i mean look at prince's guitar on the cloud thing whatever that mm-hmm. one's yeah um i do think that uh, yeah when they're on let's say a sunbursty thing maybe that's a little odd but my 345 if i showed you that you'd love it okay because that's another one with gold hardware from uh from gibson what the les paul jr bruce uh, the one I have, I, I mean, I owned quite a few of them through the years, and the only one I actually kept, because the other ones were original, and because of the small frets and everything, and a stop bridge, not that usable to use anywhere right. else, okay? So um, I actually sold to a, to a friend of mine in Tennessee, the last one that I had, but I still have what I call the Frankenstein one, okay? Um, and it was a... Um, you know, that name got kicked around with a couple of guitars, a Strat that was put together from different parts. But it was also, um, I walked into Guitars Are Us on Sunset Boulevard back in the 90s, uh, probably early 90s. And Alfred there, I think his name was, uh, Albert rather, Albert. And I go like, what is this? And it was a really beat to hell. Some punk guy probably had this. There were hammer marks on that junior. Uh, the neck didn't look right. It looked like it might have been redone reset the headstock was there were a lot of weird things about it okay Mm. and the bridge was really screwy okay someone put a bridge i never even understood that made it practically not playable and he said like oh get that thing out of uh, out of my sight i don't want to even look at it i said can i check this out i have a badass at home i want to put the bridge on it and try it okay it was like just take it home let me know if you like it you know and then I heard it, and I was like, oh, my God, I get it. They didn't have the right bridge on it. but And then I think for a whopping $400, you know, I owned it, right? And then I'm sure I probably had a little work done to it, but it was a beast. And that thing wound up being um, a big part of it was used on um, Carnival Souls quite a bit. Don't think it was around for revenge, but it played a lot of important things, and that's that, 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 that beat-up relic. Junior, yeah. this is this boutique company that makes a lot of Les Paul Juniors and double cutaway ones called Rock and Roll Relics. Very good I company. That. Yeah, on a few of their guitars, and he wanted to do a replica of that, which uh, I actually he was in L.A. at the time, and I lived there, so it was easy for him. He, he, actually, no, I think he was up in the Bay Area then, but I still trusted him enough to like, here you go, take care of the guitar. So he had it for a while, he spec'd it out, and we offered it. It was a very limited number, you know. And only one place online would sell it. Never went to any stores. And some people couldn't figure out, why is it relic that much? I said, that's what it looked like. Trust me, okay? I don't know why <laughs> someone took a hammer to it, you know? Like like the back uh, uh, control cavity had like a piece of, you know, uh, uh, it was should have been Bakelite, but the plastic thing was not even, it didn't fill the thing, you know? Oh, it was wow. just like placed on there. And <laughs> it was crazy. So many wacky things, shower tuners, uh uh, it was weird, but man, that guitar really worked out great. I used yeah, it great. for the uh, Revenge tour. It went on tour with me. It, it had a great weight and a great tone, and like I said, that one uh, really was very memorable tone-wise when I took it mm-hmm. into the studio with uh, with Eric Singer. He's a guitar nut, anyway, which which is great. You know, I love that his feedback for that. But uh, yeah, that's a cool guitar. So yeah. I still have that one. Still yet to be done in my Kiss guitar of the month. Okay, 
All right. You want to take some questions from the people? Yeah, for sure. There's a couple here. Um, one of our regulars that watches both of our shows, uh, Hellface, he says, and this is something I have no idea about. I never profess to know anything, everything about anything. And so I don't know this. He says, serious question. Did Paul Stanley ever try to get Bruce to play Steinberger? Ah, no. I mean, he never said, hey, check it out. Play it. In fact, that, that came up recently because we're me and the guys were talking about the Crazy Nights tour. I showed them. I happen again. I'm always archiving. Mm -hmm. I can't help it, and it's endless. It's just like ridiculous. Right. I have bins of stuff. So I found a, a bin that had the. Uh, I think it was the auction book. You know about that, the Butterfield auction, mm -hmm. and that's got a lot of crazy pictures. And I could not believe it that I stumped. You know, it was actually Todd and Zach. Excuse me, because Brent wasn't uh, available uh, yet to come over, and they were flipping through it, and they go like, "What is that?" You know, what I mean, looking at things. You know. And um, in that book, though, uh, no, no, we, you know, it, um, my brain is now in the uh, auction book. What was uh, the point? Was the Steinberg? Yeah, so there correct. was a photo, yeah. and then that, that discussion came up, and everybody was like, "Yeah, I didn't die." What was he doing with that thing? You know, it was a miracle about those guitars. It actually didn't sound bad, mm -hmm. but never go out of tune, ever, 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 ever. Mm -hmm. You know, they had this crazy system. Steinberger and um, Transtrap. I mean, it's still out there or whatever, but the way, and then you could change keys on it. That it wasn't used too much for that, but possibly in the studio where where Paul, because Paul would get creative with the tunings, and instead of a capo, maybe could fool around that way too. You know, mm -hmm. so um, yeah. But I wasn't a big fan of it. But no, I, I'm Paul can wear just about anything and look cool. Of you course know, he can. From the, <laughs> from the painted BC riches to the. Les Pauls to the all, all the of course the Ibanez and the Washburns and the, mm -hmm. everything you went through you know come on but uh, there's no doubt that uh, that was an odd one but you it, it did fit in with what the style of oh yeah what we're presenting as a band you know? yeah yeah and and I noticed through my tours and through my albums and the eras you know the different looks of the clothes and the guitars and the guitar straps which is something I've been I, I want to uh, get involved with where I, I, I love some of my guitar straps and sadly I don't have many of them anymore, but I'm going to be working with a, a great guy to help, help offer some straps on a limited basis to people. So that's, that's going to be fun. Nice. You know? Well, a few guys yeah. back in that area. I'm be offering Steinbergers, but I guess I could offer body, body uh, glove uh, stickers. Hey, there you go. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Right? Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Well, a few guys that were during your era, I mean, that really popularized that guitar. I mean, look at Alan Holdsworth, uh, obviously Eddie Van Halen, uh, Vito yeah. Brada, you know, really took it. You know, and there's others yeah. as well, too. Yeah. He's a very cool guitar, but that's cool to, just to ask. Um, and Hadley Scott McIntyre asked a question. Now, obviously, leading up to uh, the reunion tour, um, you know, Ace is on stage, Tommy's there, or that was Kiss Cruise and stuff like that, too. But he's asking, uh, did you associate with Ace much, you know, uh, maybe before the, you know, the reunion thing? Because Ace, we, we credit Ace here on the show a lot as a, as a guitar hero to us. Like, I'm an Eddie Van Halen diehard nut, but I have to say Ace was first. Yeah. You know, and I Ace was so iconic in so many uh, people's lives. It's, mm -hmm. it's pretty remarkable, but and that's the power of Kiss. But but Ace's uh, impact with, through through the Kiss group and the songs and the and 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 the, the vibe uh, is is very important. You know, no, my relationship with Ace is really interesting because um, basically uh, um, I knew of him, of course. Uh, and I know the, the legendary story of Bob, my brother, you know, auditioning the same day, but then they, they liked Ace, you know, but, uh, and then of course Ace had the, whatever that, that, what, what they wanted and it worked, obviously, why would he be so, you know, infamous and, and famous, you know, he's both, you know, mm -hmm. he's certainly a character, 
But um, by the time the uh, unplug thing, that was, I don't even know if I had any run-ins with him before that. So when he swaggered into SIR for the rehearsals because we were going to play together and they, they were, of course, we were going to do a couple of songs just with the original four. It was, it was pretty surreal. You know, it was interesting. Um, and then past that, I went to see them on the reunion tour. I can't say I had a lot of chats with them. I would say it's more in the last few years that I've had more conversations with them. I remember once getting to chat with him a bit at a Grammy museum when he did a special, uh, album release party it was one of the, one of the solo records but it, that could be already like you know eight years ago i i can't remember which one mm-hmm. but more recently you know he did the vault with gene yeah. and then of course he was on last year's cruise and i wound up getting interviewed with him i practically was interviewing him it was pretty fun. <laughs> but we also you know we've had a lot of conversations lately about something that um i'll let him tell everybody about but but i'm i'm pretty excited that We've always remained, you know, like, um, you know, I, I, I can't say he's my buddy that we chat about things, okay? But we've always had that respect for each other. And I love that he's he's never said anything. It's easy for, for there to be like the controversy about the former and current guitarists. Certainly. And that some of them, you know, don't get along and, and, and say things about each other. And you know how they fight, you know, meaning, you know, the things that you'll read on occasion from an Ace or a Peter against Gene and Paul. That's that's them, okay? But uh, there's always been that respect with Ace and myself, and and I appreciate that. And I I just know that um, moving forward, that uh, I'm I, I like that we've been respectful, but but not in each other's faces or anything mm-hmm. like that. Oddly enough, our influences are are tremendously similar, even though we don't sound at all alike. Right, right. Loved Hendrix, he loved Jimmy Page, mm-hmm. Zeppelin. You know, yeah. I, I loved guys like like. Uh, uh, Eric Clapton and people from The Who and bands like that. You know, he, he grew up in the British Invasion like I did. So we have that similar influence. And it's all over, you know, all his iconic Kiss things. Although Ace had a, just a certain swagger in his playing that was very unique to him. And mm-hmm. I think it made him, I know, you know, people like John Five, that's his hero. Oh, and yeah. Dimebag loved him. And, you know, so and you got to give the guy a lot of credit for all that kind of uh, uh, love from these people and iconic people that went on and and uh, have have great careers too it's yeah. cool. guitar hack and i talk about this all the time he talks about it in his show and i talk about it on and my show and i mean this in the utmost respect to ace really because i mean he's the reason why i picked up a guitar uh, I, discover, I discovered other people after but and and he doesn't have the ingve malmstein school of chops he doesn't have that book he's got i don't even want to use the word limited vocabulary that's not correct to say but he doesn't have the ingve malmstein chops but you get these people these amazing players out there that would do tributes right. to kiss and things like that and they even as good as they are they don't pull mm-hmm. it off like ace does and i think right. you're you're one of the guys in kiss I know when you took over the reins, I mean, not only did you do a, a not most respect nod to Ace, you didn't try to overdo it. You put your own flavor into it. Right. But what was what, what, do you th- what do you think it is about him with his vocabulary of chops that only he can do? That, I mean, to really sound like Ace. You said swagger, but he's got right. something about him. Yeah. Well, his feel is very behind the beat. Right. And very, mm-hmm. uh, he also, you know, he's got really large hand you know what i mean okay. <laughs> and, and, I, and even the way like i've watched him play sometimes and i'm it's it's odd to me you know what i mean uh and in, in some ways he he doesn't really you know like we talk about when i especially when i've given lessons to, to people because some people will just learn online and they're doing everything like that and that's not the way you play rock you no know, it's gotta you know you should be angling and everything so i find that uh <laughs> 
he probably has a little less of that angle of mind, but he'll still play, you know, the same uh, in the same positions. But then I think also the way he picks and attacks, and then the way he kind of um, uh, puts, a, you know, he'll make every note count in a different way, even the ones that he doesn't make. You, mm-hmm. know, you know what I mean? Sure. So it, I guess that's part of the swagger. And uh, I think Tommy does a really good job of getting, uh, a, a, you know, the essence of Ace played, but but a bit more precisely, of course. Okay. And I was never given that, uh, you know, uh, uh, direction by Gene and Paul. You know, because, again, my era, we were competing with, not, not that they didn't respect Ace or something, but we were moving on to material that was much different from the early Kiss stuff and bands like, you know, Van Halen and, and, and then that guitar playing and people like Warren DiMartini and George Lynch and all, and all those people were really um, important on, on, you know, what you hear on the radio. So I remember Paul telling me when we, when I was offered, you know, said like, we'd like you to join the band officially now, you know, I want you to be competitive with all the modern playing and everything. It wasn't simply like, uh, and please try to play like Ace more, you know what I mean? Because I'm not, again, I'm not in character or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciate you saying how I, you know, you could tell I was respectful of his, um, you know, the essence of what he was trying to do, but I didn't have to, um, you know, play, play it note for note. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Very well said, and that's very kind of you, and very uh, you know professional too to speak to, uh, about Tommy that way. I got I got I told Hack I was going to say this as well too, and this I like to embarrass myself sometimes. I, I tend to do that often. And at Winter Nam, <laughs> Winter, Hack knows what I'm going to say in this, and I, I like to keep it real by saying things like this. So Winter Nam, this past Nam. Tommy's walking around the corner, and I mean, you've been one of my favorite guitar players. And I mean, I have to say, I love Ace. I'm not gonna lie, I love Ace. But of course, you know, that's I, why you got a guitar? That's right. I, I love you as a musician as well too. Not just for not just for Kiss, but Tommy's walking around the corner. It's been a long day. I've been videotaping all day with different people, and I'm and he walks around the corner. I'm like Bruce, and I'm wondering why he's not looking oh, at no. me. <laughs> But you know, I could just sweep that under the rug. It's no one would know about it. But it's like you know what? I just hung up on the phone with him. I'm sorry, Tommy. <laughs> I'm like, man, that guy's yeah. so stuck up. He didn't even look back at me. Meanwhile, well, yeah, yeah, well, it's not Bruce. Bruce. <laughs> no, I love that as well too. We've got about 50 more minutes, and we'll let you fly here too. I'm gonna try to get to some okay. more questions too. But we've got Kiss Cruise coming up October 30th, and yes. a couple of our Canadian buddies, as you mentioned earlier, Todd Kearns, who's on my show about two weeks back, Brent mm-hmm. Fitz. My better half, Sandra, here knows him through Theory of a Dead Man. She followed him across the, that band oh, wow. across yep. Canada. But yep. tell us about Kiss Cruise. I'd like to know, I know it's the ninth annual, but what is it like for you as the performer? And you can tell us about the band that you've got assembled. And what is it like for fans that are lucky enough to get a ticket on this uh, on this event? Well, obviously, I mean, if you're a Kiss fan, uh, this kind of a cruise is, is really... Uh, magical. I mean, it would be like uh, you know being at Disneyland for Kiss for five days. You know, <laughs> no matter where you go, it's it, you're celebrating Kiss. And I was blown away uh, how you know they pipe in the music when you, and yeah, you, you do a lot of walking on a cruise. You, and you guys done it, you know, to get from one end of the boat to the other, you're walking. But you know, the music's always pumping. Everything is uh, you know a celebration of Kiss, or, and and it's very fabulously done. Six Man does. That's the the promoter of the boat. Of course, they do other you know, uh, uh, kind of events on cruises, but they're, they, they're, they're so pro, uh, they work great with, you know, the band of course. And, uh, I think if you're a fan, uh, I know, you know, like obviously some fans, uh, are, are fortunate enough to be able to fly to the port city and, and get on the boat and, mm-hmm. and, and enjoy it. And, and it isn't, 
really cheap. But some, for some people, that's their, their one vacation of the year. Okay. Right. But, but then, of course, there's those people that will never be able to do it. Or the people that repeatedly saying it's true and anyone that's thinking about doing it in the future should really consider it. And, and you, you, you can bring a family and all that. It's not like, you know, awkward. And, and you have all those fun things about a cruise. You're out in the ocean. The food is like 24-7, whatever you want. There's, there's enough activities that you're going to have to pass on one to do the other. Okay? Right. And, uh, so it's a great, a great, great thing. And just before and the show night, you were rehearsing. I'm sorry? You were just before the show night, you were rehearsing for it as well, right? Yes. And of course, on the sense of what it is for me, okay, uh, obviously being hired to be, you know, a performer on the boat, uh, I have a very specific job, okay? I have a very unique connection, of course, with the band being, being the guitarist for those 12 years. And my era was very unique also, mm -hmm. okay, stylistically, okay? Because um, a lot of it, you know, is not part of it in any way, the makeup era and sound or what you image, you know, if you're going to hear a Tears Are Falling, you're not going to think of, you know, any any era of Kiss, you know, you're just not, uh, other than my era, okay? You can't, you're not going to envision a makeup thing or a stage nope. set that way. You're going to see Asylum or even a, maybe even you'd see a Hot in the Shade stage or whatever. So my goal is to just, be very specific about my years with the band or anything I've performed live with the band that people know. Now, of course, I've done the Truck Ride City a million times with them, but that's not going to be a song on my set list. No. It doesn't need to be, okay? And they, and they do it, um, and it's a big part of their show, so it doesn't make any sense. But what I am approaching this, this coming cruise differently, and you guys are kind of getting the exclusive here first, is just that I recognize, uh, you know, when last year and I went really deep with Todd, Zach, and Brent, and Zach's my secret weapon because he's also a great bass player and he can sing like Gene. So now the Gene songs are covered. Nice. And as you know, Todd Kearns can do Paul's kind of vibe of uh, my ear, which is, uh, you know, more hair metal, ah, you know, all that wildness, <laughs> right? And then Brent can play anything. So, you know, he's got any of the Kiss drummers covered, right? Right. But um, I realized actually, first of all, October – Technically, September 30th was my first gig with the band in 1984. So if you are a mathematician, you'd know that's 35 years ago. Yeah. Okay. And that's pretty remarkable. And I'm quite proud of it. I'm shocked by it uh, in, in every way. Of course, you know, I just can't believe uh, where all the time go. And it does seem like a lifetime ago, but 35 years is a long time. Okay. Um, but there's so much cool stuff that happened then. You know, of course, I walked into the band with Eric Carr, and there we are going to Europe, and I'm there for six weeks, and um, I'm suddenly part of a, a one of the really famous bands of the world, and it's first class, everything, limousines, best hotels. You know, the fans are wild. You know, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, it, being escorted like I'm in the Beatles. You know, I, you know, it was just insane. All right, great memories though, and and a lot of pressure too because it was just like you know, all of a sudden, oh, now I'm playing guitar with Kiss. I went from I did have some exciting things prior in my career, but I would not be featured in Meatloaf the same way. Right. You know, mm -hmm. I was not, yeah, Blackjack with Michael Bolton. We had like three weeks on the road with some cool gigs, but it's still, outside of the albums, it wasn't that like, now I'm like performing with Kiss, you know what I mean? So it was really an incredible thing. Now, that, that Animalize Live um, video uh, obviously had many, many interesting songs from both Animalize and, you know, the Lick It Up album and sometimes other things too. But uh, Todd and, and the guys and myself, we're, we're digging into that beginnings of my Kiss years, which I didn't look at at all 
for the previous tours, okay, cruises, okay, mm-hmm. not at all, um, because there were too many other things to look at, you know. So we, we, we're starting with that. In fact, today, right before, uh, you know, we started this thing, we finished up tidying up, tightening up what I would kind of refer to as the animalized medley. Why a medley? Well, generally, you're only booked for sets that are 75 minutes because there's that many things on the cruise. Lots of great bands on this cruise, too. Got to keep it tight kind of thing. You know, and you saw those. So um, in in that 75 minutes, I want to make the maximum impact. I want to serve up as many great memories for these fans, and I know they have many. It's been a complete, you know, mine. Can Mm -hmm. I say the word F? You you know the one. For me, you know, uh, listening to this stuff, you know. So we're going deep. Uh, and delving into it, so long as I've played it live or recorded it with them and played on it, uh, it's fair game to me. I'm being strict about it. Sure. And we're already discussing another one of the unreleased songs that a lot of fans know. I'm not going to say which one yet sure. uh, that, that we want to do. So it's really going to be, um, once again, a celebration of how I feel, um, you know, the years that I helped uh, be a part of that I was so fortunate to experience that that's what I want to concentrate on, you know? So, um, it's really, we're, we're, we're thrilled. And I'll be honest, we started from scratch with a list. Brent hit me up with like three lists, but I remembered focusing only on one okay. from a guy in Argentina. And his list was like, the first time I looked at it, I was like, what? You know what I mean? I, I just couldn't believe what was on it. And, but then as we went down it, I'm like, wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. Whoa. That's pretty good. Yeah. These are, you know, so I, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, now we still want to do some things that we did, you know, previously. So I can't do exactly that list, and it was too many songs anyway. Of course. But but this is the other reason why I need to do medleys, you know, because yeah. good, good. I'd rather play a solid couple of minutes of a song and then move on to another instead of doing the full four minute of the song. Just just so that all that all those memories of uh, hearing that song and then actually hearing it live by a solid group will will be satisfied. You know? Well, sometimes I, I, I know it does it. better. I mean, even my wife just hearing us rehearse one of the little segue things and, into something, and I ain't giving it away, but she was just like, oh, my God, I was crying. It, that was unbelievable. You went from that to that, and oh, 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 come on. And, and I know I get goosebumps when we look at some of these things, except now we have the hard work of really tightening it up and, and making it presentable. But this was the first, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, approach to what, what do we want to do? How can we... It, you know, even take that that kind of concept of um, my era and make it fresh and yet still make it, uh, it, you know, you can't please everybody, but I know there's going to be some songs on that list that everybody will talk about. Oh, and that's for sure. For sure. Cool. And our last yeah. six minutes we have here, I want to do two things really quickly, and I'm going to let Guitar sure. Hack wrap it up here in a second. Again, Guitar Hack, I know we, we weren't planning on another question from you, but you're, the floor is yours. If you can think of something you want to talk to Bruce about before we go, it's, it will close out with you. But sure. one thing I want to just do, if I can ask a favor of Bruce, I've got a good friend here in the chat. Uh, his name's Gary Holt. Not that Gary Holt. He gets, yeah, he, right, he's yeah. not well, that I Gary Holt. Personally, but I know he's an ESP. But we... But, uh, <laughs> We talked earlier about Kramer Guitars, and, and Gary is a, a personal, a very good, good uh, personal friend with Gary Kramer of Kramer. Oh, wow. And Gary, be, between this Gary, he invited me out to, uh, got to be friends with Gary Kramer. He let us stay at his, uh, you know, state for a few days, and we did an interview out there and everything, all that good stuff. But besides all that, the most important thing is it's Gary's birthday today, Gary Holt's birthday. I wonder if we could get a nice happy birthday wish from Bruce Kulik to Gary Holt. Sure. Well, Gary, happy birthday. My amps are so on, I could do a little bit. Oh, that's a horrible... <laughs> Jesus. 
even got to play guitar with a delay on. I love it. There you go. Happy well, birthday, Gary. He's a great. He's a great gentleman. He's a good friend to a lot of us, and he's the spirit of yep. this community. So happy birthday, buddy, Guitar Hack. I'm gonna, I, I'm so happy to have you uh, stay on the for the whole show tonight. I know how much uh, the kiss means to you. The whole time, I thought he had a pressing appointment. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you take. No, is anything going to say? I was just here for the one question and one uh, question. Tongue out. No, it was awesome. It was awesome talking to you, Bruce. Well, thank you. And now I know you don't like old parts. Okay, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He gets teased about it a lot. So on the on the kiss cruise. Old, old parts. Okay. <laughs> oh boy, on the on the kiss cruise, Bruce is uh, is your uh, brother participating again this year? Are you guys going to be playing again together? You know, he did. Uh, it was Kiss Cruise Seven where we did a set where we split. Half, uh, you know, some of the right, right. With Kiss, which are terrific songs. I mean, you can't well, they're just, awesome. uh, deny those that material. And then, of course, I was representing. We only got to do one set. It was a very weird invite, but but we 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 pulled off a great set, and that's how I, you know, Todd and uh, Brent were involved. And um, you know, we'll see what happens in the future for him with the cruise. But no, this 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 uh, Kiss Cruise Nine will be much closer to uh, Kiss Cruise Eight. Okay. Oh, okay. Those guys, you know, and it will be, you know, as I gave you the menu of the goal, you know, with the, with the set list will be quite, right, right, right. quite interesting, you know. I think he is involved with one of the, uh, the, you know, what's remarkable about the cruises too is like, um, like Ace and, and I know my brother and Sebastian Bach are all at this event the night before the cruise. Yeah. Those things sell out and they're like gigantic, you know what I mean? It's yes. like really wild to think. So I know that the, the fans that uh, may be thinking about him for a cruise should definitely, you know, go see him. It's in Miami. There's two days there. And definitely uh, give a shout out to my brother. You know, there's no doubt. But the, uh, you know, uh, and then Ace, well, you know, isn't on this one. So he's there. But those right. events, the, the people that put that on, they have nothing to do with, uh, I believe, the actual cruise. But it's a free country. You know, you can, uh, you know, you know. Create an event, a party before the party, you know? Yeah. You don't have to, uh, you know, go out on the water. <laughs> you know, some people don't. <laughs> so anyway, so so there's always that opportunity for everybody. Oh, fantastic. Cool. By the yeah. way, reach out to Bob as well, too, hoping to get him on the show in the coming weeks or months as well, too, and talk some more with him as well, too. Oh, he's got great stories, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Bruce, listen, I want to thank you uh, from both of us here, from Guitar Hack and myself and all of our viewers here that we share a lot of the same, uh, pretty much all the same viewers. Uh, we're both broadcast here from Canada. We both love guitar. I love Les yeah. Pauls now, thanks to Guitar right, Hack, sure. and thanks to you as well. <laughs> and uh, I hope all the continued rehearsals go uh, great for the cruise. I hope the cruise is fantastic. I know you got good people behind you. You surround yourself with greatness, and you become great. And uh, just very, very kind of you to take your time for, for a little show like this, and we greatly appreciate it. Well, uh, thank you. I mean, I'm always a little shy about the long video interviews. I, I did watch it a little that you had Todd, and I mm -hmm. knew you were legit. And it was actually, it was kind of funny because I'll I'll put that in a little part of my brain or a little note. Oh yeah, interview. But but as soon as I forget when it was when you mentioned. By the way, it's gear oriented, and 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 that Les Paul, and I was like, oh, we're going to talk about equipment for 90 minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I, I I'm like blah 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 blah. Yep. You know, I was telling you guys earlier that I'm trying to delve more into the ESP thing. So I've had. You know, long emails with people, and 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 of course the uh, phone calls with people. You know, just you know, trying to oh, yeah. piece the puzzle together of my past. You know, mm -hmm. but the couple of things coming up. First of all, I I love my website. Uh, it's a simpler WordPress kind of style, brucekulik.com, which is a miracle because uh, years ago I didn't have that, but a fan uh, that that was very kind to me heard me complaining about it with Chris Jericho on an interview. Yep. The next thing he knows, he's emailing me. Uh, I I'm giving I'm gifting you the 
that 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 uh, that domain name, name. riskyleague.com. I'm like, really? You know what I mean? I was like, kind of like, this is cool. I did get to meet him, and uh, that was wonderful. He's uh, a Norwegian fan that set it up for me. So that's how you can see. There's great galleries up there of photos, and there's these guitar of the months, uh, the Kiss guitars of the months will be up there, and and of course. If you're interested in any of the items that I that I have in the uh, the merch store, I, I have my Gene Simmons moment here. Okay, so I do offer. <laughs> now I don't necessarily offer when I'm doing a limited run of LTD ESP guitars. I don't necessarily put them up on the website. Sure. But I'm just saying it's an easy, it's a fun thing to look at. I'm pretty proud of the site. There's great stuff there. Uh, I'm, I am aware Facebook and and Instagram and social media seems to be um, a really popular place for everybody. And as much as it can be a little overwhelming. You know, uh, it is the way we all share uh, what what's going on in our lives and what we're up to. So I do I do put events up there, and I do uh, I recently put up something how you know you can there's an app called Meat Hook that you can take a lesson from me, okay? And that's a, a, a nice professional way to do that. Uh, I've also done some some things with some apps called Cameo mm -hmm. and another one that that yeah, if you wanted that birthday shout out, you know, there's a way to request that, okay? Um, so I like doing that stuff as much as, you know, I don't want to do it while I'm making a cup of coffee in the kitchen. Of course. Okay, I try to you know, present myself the way I uh, would think they would expect me to be, you know, but but I do enjoy that. And, and in addition, of course, I do love teaching because I do love guitar and, and of course. You, know, you know, explain to someone. I would never play it that way, you know. That's right. <laughs> you, know you got your got your hand all wrong or whatever it is, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, I do have some some good new merchandise coming up. Some of it's tied into the animalized celebration that i'd like to share with everybody because nice. again it's just mind-boggling to think 35 years you know like what you know this is crazy i mean there's always these anniversaries i remember when i celebrated the uh, crazy nights you know being a certain number of years and everything it might have been 25 a few years back but um i'm really excited about that now and i want to embrace it as much as i can uh, obviously I, I will look at other guitars to offer the the people and um, nobody should forget about of course the uh, Grand Funk Band of that course. are playing nearby. I always see fans out there with Kiss shirts on. It's kind of funny. I think I think some of them know of Grand Funk, but they don't realize how many of those songs sound familiar, and they realize, oh, that's that I know was that Grand song, Funk. Yeah. yeah. And I get to like solo in almost every song. So the ones that that maybe don't get it, some people ask for meet and greets, and the band doesn't really do that. But there are sometimes ways that I can help possibly see them. Uh, so, um, I, I really do, uh, love the band, uh, tremendous players. Uh, we get along fa fabulously and it's 19 years now. That's pretty insane. Almost yeah. 20 and, years. And the band's celebrating 50 years. So Incredible. for me to have that gig with Don and Mel, the, you know, the original uh, drummer and bass player, all these years is remarkable. And, and for those Mark Farner fans, I get it. If you're like, eh, you know, I don't get it, you know, but you got to see our version, you know, mm -hmm. because Max Carl is, is one of the most solid singers I've worked with ever in my entire life and uh we got this keyboard player tim cash and that's a killer who also sings like a bird and then you got don who wrote and sang quite a few of the songs right. from something wonderful to uh uh of course we're an american band and shining on you know walk like a man you know and these are great great songs so it's a great show grand funk there's a link on my site for grand funk but it's just grandfunkguerrero.com and the official site comes up see if we're playing nearby a lot of them are fun outdoor gigs or casinos that it's not a big hassle. You know, um, there's no big Ticketron fees. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right. Yeah. But but come see the American band. You know, we uh, we kick some ass, and I get I get featured quite a bit, to be honest. So That's good. Cool. That's good. And uh, what's to come? The last thing I did want to mention, I, I would love to. I don't, uh, you know, obviously I'm prepping now, um, you know, set 
kill a set list for the crews. But these guys are really special. They were all very busy in a lot of different things. You know, a couple of them uh, go off on these slash tours that I go like, how do you do that? I don't even understand. You know, they're gone for, you know, three months, you know, and visiting 30 countries. You know, it's like, what? You know, uh, but they do it. Anyway, but I would, I, I've, I've always had a couple of songs kicking around that are not that old and some new things that I pop up with. And I, I, I do have this aspiration to want to record with them. I, cause I do feel instead of me just doing a solo thing and get some guest singers, I, I see a lot of excitement personally and that I could share with the fans to, um, present some of these songs, you know, and I couldn't have a better band, you know? So that's, that's something that's like, it's in a forefront of my mind, forefront, but I do need to like categorize the, uh, you know, um, I, you know, to be successful, you do really need to understand the timeline of how you can get from A to B and accomplish those things. Exactly. And, and I, I don't want to, um, you, you know, take away too much time from something really important that I know is coming up with a firm deadline uh, and, 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 and put too much attention that way. So looking at the schedule now that everybody has with all their work commitments and everything, uh, it may not happen until after the cruise that we get a chance to record, but it's on my radar. And if it's on my radar, uh, that means I'm serious about it. That's all cool. That's good to know. So the guitar thing is an obsession for me. Conversing with the fans, sharing my my love of guitar and music and the Kiss years and uh, everything to do with uh, you know this fantastic journey I had for the for, for those years and and now I feel like I'm writing new chapters as well and it's all it's all really really wonderful. Very and, well said. And, very well said. Very happy. But thank you, and thank you for the invitation. No uh, problem. Listen, we're, we're just over the over the time stop, but I want to say three things lightning fast. One's from a fan here as well too. But number one, I something else about the meat hook. Not only can uh, you could people take lessons, but let's say someone's a bass player, they don't want to take guitar lessons, or maybe they're a drummer, but they want some career mentorship or a manager, or whatever. Absolutely. You yeah. you could do yeah, that. There are, there are people that don't. They're, they're clueless what to do with their band or their mm-hmm. career to get better or whatever. Yep. And, I, and I've had enough experience. Oh yeah, for sure. It's not easy, you know. It's almost like music, musicians don't really come with that handbook. You know, I mean, I know. you go to school to be a doctor, although you probably do learn a lot once you're really there doing it and seeing all the permutations that come up in reality. But they're pretty well trained. I, I, I don't know if think musicians are ever trained quite the You same need that way. business side too, which you can help. The second yep. thing is, uh, you talk about your website. I build websites for a living. And so looking at your website, I love it. We've shared your website here tonight right. as well too. So Thanks. all those good things, phenomenal there. And there's a very good question. And this is probably a very loaded question. This is from VH 1984. Uh, when is Bruce playing with Kiss on the end of the road tour? Do you think the Gene and Paul uh, might no, reach out? I love ending with that one, okay? <laughs> well, look. Uh, look, my relationship with those guys is is very good, as everyone knows, and um, I, it, it may just happen when they finally figure out that last big, you know, event. Okay, because I I know of no other answer to give other than they know I'd love to help them out mm-hmm. if they have that platform and they figured out how to introduce me uh, or incorporate everything. You know, so I I obviously I actually there's a part of me that really feels pretty confident that something like that is a reality that could happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where and when and how I, I can't even guess. Okay. I mean, because it's too mind boggling. Sure. You know? Obviously there's a lot of theories and people kick it around and everything, but, and I don't want to rule out anything, you know, but I just uh, know that I think it would be a really, I think fans would really love it. And, and I know those guys, uh, uh, 
would probably uh, are serious about considering it, but I, I, I just don't know how it will happen. And that's why. right. That's all. I hope it happens okay. for you. I hope, I hope but it happens. I think everyone that wrote you a question, I've seen emails from these people. <laughs> you know what I mean? They did a blog <laughs> bar for me or I gave her a lesson to. I yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, small I, world, right? I do hope it happens for you. I mean, it would be very nice yeah. for you as well, too. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Listen, we're going to let you fly. I hope you have a fantastic yeah. weekend, and we're going to say goodbye. We'll say goodbye to you off the air. Everyone, we hope you have a fantastic weekend as well. Be safe out there, and we'll look forward to Please seeing be you. Be good to your people, and, uh, and, and uh, crank up the music as long as it doesn't hurt. <laughs> That's what I'll say. That's rock and roll, man. Have a good one, Bruce. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Until next time, cheers.